0: Welcome to Joiners, the podcast with Tim and Danny, where each week we pray at the temple of hospitality in hopes of reaching culinary nirvana. This week we have Ethan Lim of Hermosa fame. Ethan's had a pretty storied career. He's worked in a, a, a lot of different markets. He was doing sales for a while, he worked front of house with Alinea Group at Next and Aviary. And I feel like every experience has kind of informed the business he runs today. Yeah, if you bought a Mini at the turn of the millennium, chances are it was Ethan who sold it to you. <laughs> it's true. Or a BMW, yeah. circa 2003. Yeah, possibly. Um, Ethan, Ethan's a good hang. He's extremely knowledgeable about Cambodian food. His family has, has run restaurants since he was just a lad, and uh, he's carrying on that tradition with Hermosa in Hermosa and his uh, brother and sister run the restaurant next door and it's very much like a like a family thing yeah it was really cool to hear his story and we hope
1: you enjoy this week's episode so without further ado here's our
0: talk with Ethan Lim Thank you for joining us. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, it's exciting.
2: Yeah, it's been a moment. It has Never seen you in a while.
1: Yeah, for sure.
2: Yeah,
0: how's everything been going?
2: Things things are well.
0: I feel like things are always changing for you. Like you're like growing. It's a slow and steady growth.
2: Yeah. Well, change should always be perpetual. Yeah. To some degree and extent, change that is controlled mm-hmm. is. Uh, Makes it a lot more pleasurable and a lot more fun.
1: Yeah, I mean, as as so d- how much more like do you spend more of your time doing the like the family meals, the dinners? Um, like, how do you spread your time in a in a given week?
2: It's all encompassing, I guess. The majority of our time dedication is certainly to family meal uh, for evening din- dinner service, <clears throat> but we've um, recently launch lunch and a couple weeks ago. So now the, the chef is uh, focusing a lot more on that since dinner service is sort of on auto drive right now. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So cool. And then how many days a week are you doing lunch? Uh, lunch is three to four days a week. It's okay. a steady Wednesday through Friday oh, and cool. occasionally we'll do a pop-up for something that, you know, just for fun.
1: Nice. I think we're planning to come to a, a dinner at some point. Are we? Are you
2: fully booked yet? Uh, no. Okay. Well, thank god. I know. Uh, we, I know yes we need to act no. quick. Uh, yes and no. In terms of uh, being one table a night, it's really shifted the process as to how I approach reservations. Uh, reservations, and in short, it's functioning under a guest list. Program. Yeah. Um. The returning guest list is much sooner versus someone that wants to be on the guest list that comes in.
1: Okay. So, gotcha. Yeah. yeah. Do you want to explain kind of to the listeners how, how it works
2: at dinner time? Sure. Uh, so, Family Meal is our one table a night evening, one table a night, kind of repetitive there. Um, d- private dining experience. It accommodates up to eight guests, and basically, it is your house for the evening. With the benefit that you don't have to do dishes. We do, <laughs> do dishes at the, end of the day. <laughs> If you booked six, would you find two to join the six? Uh no, it is solely your party. So okay. the I've had a solo diner have the evening all to himself. Oh really? I've had companies come in.
1: Was that awkward to have just one person in there?
2: Uh I make sure the music gets bumped up a little bit higher, <laughs> and they have more freedom control over the ambience in space as far as music-wise. <laughs> oh, my gosh.
1: I kind of like that. Did they have a conversation
0: with themselves?
2: Uh, no, we actually interacted quite a bit. Oh, so cool. So that was kind of fun. Yeah, yeah. we've uh, done right, Family
0: so. Meal, and it, it's nice. Ethan comes in and out. I feel like most of the prep stuff's done ahead of time, so you're really just... Finishing yeah. things up in the kitchen and coming out. And yeah, it's BYOB, which is cool. So yeah. I assume it's still BYOB. It's still BYOB. Cool. Yeah. So Ethan had a GT and t with us and we yeah. shot the shit. It was nice. Nice. Tim, were you the solo diner? Uh, I wish. <laughs> <laughs> now that I know that's an option, I'm going to do it. That would be expensive though. Because it, it's one to four, right? So they're, yes. pa- they're essentially paying for it. Did
2: you have to prep for four four seats? Um, The approach for the meal was more plated. Mm. Um on a couple uh, a few of the things but they they definitely saw the full menu. <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh. And do they so how often are you offering these dinners? Uh dinner service is about four nights a week on average. Sometimes we we'll do six um which is a bit of a marathon.
1: Yeah, it's exhausting, <laughs> I would imagine. Yeah, so und- you know I kind of
0: skipped ahead to the to the present, but yeah, <laughs> well, yeah. Let's 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 go to the start because you come from a food family. Yes, our so, family
2: we've um have always been involved with food. We're first generation uh, immigrants, and mom and dad had a you know super humble noodle stand in Cambodia um, over fifty years ago, and we moved here in eighty four. Uh, our family's first restaurant is actually the site of Hermosa, um, of the current restaurant. Uh, we tore down the old building about 10 years ago and backtrack for a moment. We've, um, the restaurant, we started in 86. So our family has been in that intersection since then. Whoa. Cool. And you guys still have like the restaurant next to you. Yeah. I guess on the corner, that's your family. Yes. Uh, my Gugu's S- Table, right? Correct. Gugu's Table is my sister and brother's restaurant. Um, okay. We've kept the Chinese American spot to cater to the neighborhood. And at the time, I was about 10 years ago, we start the process of tearing down the building and rebuild. Um, at the time, I was at Nex and Aviary. Uh, Dad kept on waking me up in the morning after a long shift. <laughs> he's like, You should do something. We have this project going on. <laughs> You're um, like, Sweet, thanks. Yeah, I was like, Oh, this is great. But we're having <laughs> so much fun right now. And, you know, Aviary was expanding. And I was like, I want to be part of that. Um, he's like, Just do what you want to do as long as there's mashed potatoes on the menu. <laughs> Sorry to disappoint you, Dad. But it's still not on the menu yet. <laughs> the, the fries are a stand-in, I think. You get
0: your potato fix.
2: Yes. Um, pretty darn good fries, and I have to watch myself with those. The fries are awesome. Um, but, yeah, long story short, I guess from there, uh, it was sort of time. How long had you been at uh, Next in Aviary? About two and a half, three years. And what were you doing there? I started at Aviary... As just like all completely from the house, um, f- upstairs at Aviary itself, and then I was downstairs in the office for quite a bit. Uh, then shifted over to Next as Major D, um, and everything else is history from there. How was your time at Aviary and Next? I had a great time. Um, I, was, I had some of the most amazing mentors with Chris Kerber, with Gary um and chef was always very pleasant you know in terms of our dy- dynamic together um very professional at the same time and we just um yeah he very like it was uh, a mutual investment in terms of ensuring that hey we were um that we functioned well so yeah what were some things that
0: surprised you about being you know, at that level, at, like, an aviary and next? Yeah. I mean, like, it's kind of the same question, but, like, the, the experiences I've had at um, any any restaurant from that group, the Alinea mm-hmm. group, the staff it seems so well-trained and extremely knowledgeable about not just the food, but the diners as well. Yeah, um, And everyone seems very confident. There's, like, a nice sense of humor you know it's a very serious the the, the it meal itself is extremely serious it can be playful but like in the kitchen it's serious and everyone knows that side of it but they also have a sense of humor about it as well and they like to surprise you and things like that so i'm curious what the training is like and how because every server has kind of had that kind of um confident kind of persona
2: i guess yeah and i think that's kind of how it touched it really well um they nurtured our individual expression and they allow they really want us to be able to match who we are as our personalities um, and however understanding the standard the technical standards as to how to function and operate that whether it be um, approaching the table appropriately and being able to read a table and understanding what needs to be accomplished at the table uh, prior to going there, clearing the table or uh, what needs to be done before you arrive and how you can, this concept of hands in, hands out where you're bringing something to the table, but yet bring something back to make it as efficient as possible. Mm. Um, and being able to to just be a sponge to absorb as much Knowledge about the products that we're providing to the guests, um, understanding what um, what we're serving is extremely important, and the the surprising part was just the vast knowledge that everybody have, mm-hmm. yet the humbleness for a lot of them to to share that knowledge with us uh, with very little pretense at the same time, um, was very, very, uh, something that I absolutely loved. Is there, um, do you take notes on each party for oh. their next
0: visit? How does that, how does that all work? I've always wondered, cause like you walk in, if you've been to any concept and, and you come to another one, Yeah, you're, you're recognized and people, you know, yeah. there's, they, they'll have a memory from a previous visit, like "Oh, we know you you asked not to have cilantro last yeah. time." Is that still an aversion? Things like that. Is that? Is it just like, is, is Shannon. Shout out to Shannon. Uh, <laughs> is, is that uh, just the product of taking notes, or how does that? How does the back end of that work, or is that just kind of a secret?
2: Um, it's a lot of times just recognition, recognizing, recognizing guests who are coming in. To, you know as with any restaurant we have our pre shifts mm-hmm. um, and we'll go over who's coming over to dinner and um, the team have an amazing memory when it comes to just understanding oh this xyz person is coming in they had a great time last time you know it's at the it's also a small but yet big house where we function collaboratively like intensely as a team yeah so When there's an experience with a guest, we love, we just like to share with our team members as like this one guest experience was amazing uh, last time or we dropped the ball last time on this particular guest. So we need to remember what exactly happened there. We dropped the pork rind on this guest. (laughs) Oh my God. Or you're sitting at a table and the ceiling, you know, um, decorative piece just completely tra- crashes on the oh, table. Oh my God.
0: That's yeah, that, that's
2: as long as it's not a
0: uniform malfunction, I, I can laugh. Oh, <laughs> yeah. I don't think we've. Oh, I think don't. Made, no, 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 nothing ever happened. <laughs> <laughs> the uniforms are perfect.
1: No. Joiners podcast is brought to you by Party Can. Party Can is a premium, batched, large format, full-flavored cocktail that uses high-end liquor, real juice, real ingredients, it's all-natural, gluten-free, it's 12 drinks in a single can, and guess what? That can actually floats. You can take it to the beach, the pool, on the boat, camping, hiking, to the game, everywhere you go. It is recyclable and reusable. It's a party in a can and everyone's invited. Party Can is available at multiple retailers around Chicago, around the country, and you can always go to drinkpartycan.com to find a local store or have one shipped to you or a friend.
0: And now, back to our interview. You know, a restaurant that has a price point that high, you're going to attract extremely particular clientele and Mm high-end clientele and people who are maybe... Classified as spoiled brats. Do you have any fun stories about, um, without naming names, any, any incidents that might stand out as funny or memorable? Um,
2: hmm. <laughs> Not to put you on the spot. Yes. Uh, <laughs> one of my most memorable evening was taking care of our Kelly for his birthday Oh Oh, my gosh, that is nuts. (laughs) (laughs) What were some highlights of that? Um, Well, it was really a learning experience where stylistically, sometimes we approach a table uh, in a certain format when it comes to explaining the food and the drinks. And uh, (laughs) so, you know, I'm going through the rhythm of it. He's like, he pulled me aside, and it's like, dude, talk to me like you're talking to a black person. So I was like, <laughs> you got steak, you got beef, and you got bacons. And <laughs> like, that was the quickest thing that could come out of my mouth. I'm probably going to be crucified for it. But at the same time, it's like, you know, at some point you just have to realize you're explaining all the, you know, it's A5 Wagyu or whatever the case may be. Mm-hmm. You know, these vinegar poached potatoes and they're f- fried with all this other stuff and Guest at some points just completely glosses over what yeah. the explanation yeah. is. Not a, yeah, not every guest
0: needs the same level of detail. Exactly. Yeah, I'm I'm one of those guests. Like so a lot of the stuff is over my head, at, at like a molecular gastronomy restaurant like that. Um, and so I'll I'll kind of do the same thing. I'll ask, like, what's the dumbed down version of this? Like, what, <laughs> what's essentially going on there? Otherwise, I am totally glazed over. I look over at Shannon; she's looking at me. Well, like, it, yeah, I t- I take it more that it wasn't that like. Yeah, it wasn't
1: that like R. Kelly was not capable of processing what was going on. It was just that R. Kelly was like just wanted what he wanted and just wanted to be done with it. Like, oh, he didn't, yeah, he he's didn't have with... the time to listen to it. He just was like, I'm trying to please this group or get you know impress this group.
2: Just was to it a large, large party? party? It was a large party. Um, not significantly, like, w- roughly about eight people. Half time ahead. Um, kind of remembering it, and also it's a cocktail yeah. event. And at some point after a few beverages, and even for me too, like when I'm going to a tasting menu, four, five, six courses out into it and have a few beverages, mm-hmm. uh, the retention of some of these information yeah, can be very, is very limited. <laughs> yeah. mm-hmm. So a more uh, shortened version of the explanation kind of ends up being a lot. Yeah, and of, I,
1: I feel like, to tim's question earlier perhaps it's like you have these well whether they're spoiled brats or not you have people who come in who are just like i'm trying to impress this person or i just want like the best you know people mm-hmm. are very obsessed with like the best so they're like i want the best cocktail experience to go to Avier, or they go to the office yeah and it's like but to them they don't really know what that means necessarily so they're just like they just almost want to like do it to say they did it and they don't really have
2: like any real interest in what's going on. In the space itself, there's so much stimuli. Yeah. The music is intense. The, you're kind of in your own little alcove, depending where you sit. And if you go down and that's the aviary, when you go down to the office, there's all these vintage bottles. So it's like you can go through the full rhythm of, you know, trying to explain things, but, inevitably you see people's uh by language where they're looking at everything else that's surrounding them at the same yeah time. for sure yeah it my can s- be overwhelming my sister and brother-in-law took
0: me to the kitchen table at aviary for my birthday one year oh, boy! <laughs> and uh it was gerber was there at the time and i think it was i must have had eight cocktails and then yeah. so like and, half of what you usually drink yeah about half <laughs> no no <laughs> uh no so i was like extremely tipsy by the time we went down for a drink at the office afterwards and by the time i got down there i was like i just need food and i can't comprehend more drinks yeah (laughs) i feel like that is that typically how i remember at the time do they still do the they had the little little, uh business card and you text the number and get it to get a table i don't know yeah i don't know danny i'm not sure um You're you're not in the know (laughs) <laughs> um, but was that typically how it would go? Would people go down from Aviary? Yeah, you could request it, if you
1: sat at Aviary. I mean, anything could
0: tell you. Yeah. Yeah. Um, at the time, it was...
2: They, were, they At the time I was there, they did have the text line. mm mm-hmm. um, And guests would text while well advanced advance to try to make a reservation down in the office. Um, and sometimes we'll just bring guests down from, uh, from the Aviary. Mm-hmm um, to kind of cap off the evening
1: as well. Yeah. i you know, to your story of the birthday at the kitchen table, I feel like the most hungover mornings I ever had were after nights at aviary in the office. I feel like they're notorious for just like flexing and, yeah. <laughs> and you drinks, you end up drinking yes. way
2: more than you intend. It was, uh, it's like, hey, we have all these cocktails to show you. Let's enjoy. <laughs> who, who's the bartender there now?
1: Uh, well, Micah still runs uh, the beverage side of it. And, you know, Alexis just left. Um, but yeah, I don't know, like, the whole team. But I just yeah. know
2: Micah's still running the Bev side. Um, the only three who I've, I'm acquainted with from my days there are Micah, Ben, and Jeremiah and they're all still there who is
0: and they're all still there oh, and they're all still
2: there okay. yeah cool
0: so, so so you were front of house with the Linear group yes um had you cooked before that or when did you i assume you cooked growing up and kind of learned through yep just um watching your parents and stuff and working in the restaurants but yeah what was your first like formal job working for someone else cooking um
2: that it was in early 2000 2003 2004 when i was attending kendall okay um my first black instructor uh who is an absolute dear friend of mine, you know, we're family just about. Um, I was, it was a few weeks into first block and I consistently just uh, bothered her, I guess. I was like, I really want to be on the line to cook because, you know, culinary school is great, but a lot of it, When you're actually working in a kitchen, it's a completely different um, energy level that, like, I really wanted that. So the first job was, it's no longer there, uh, but it was in Highwood, a place called Sage Grill. The chef was Greg Dara. He came from uh, Bin 36 at the time. And um, it was great. It was American slash... French food, um, t- uh, classical American with French technique, and um, that was a lot of fun. Um, it really taught like the kitchen dynamics for me, um, and being able to kind of stand your turf at the same time. <laughs> yeah. Uh, from there, I went to work for Sean McLean's restaurant, Spring, mm. and did that for. I was there for a brief period. And during the whole time, I was attending culinary school, worked at a kitchen, and also sold cars. Wow! Yeah, where did you sell cars? Um, my car sales experience started with Mini, and hmm. then shifted over to BMW. That was when I um, t- started culinary school. Wow! Hmm. Yeah. That's an interesting detour. Oh, yeah. So growing up in the industry, um, I always knew that I was going to go back to food in some capacity. Um, It's just I loved it. You know, love eating out, loved the connection that food had with people, Uh, the stories as well, because growing up was a lot of stories from mom and dad as to why they ate the way they ate and how food just sharing their memories of um, their times at the tables with grandparents, with the rest of the family, and the uh, the social connection to it, um, the history to it was super fascinating for me. So I've always wanted to um, be involved with it in some capacity. But I kind of made a decision early on to segue from that and let's see more of the world and... Um, better connect with people, understanding, you know, what the human connection, I guess, Um, and just try to understand other business as well. Yeah. Um, I Other mean, I, career
0: paths. I remember reading Setting the Table and thinking, you know, this is such a specific book to hospitality and how to treat your client, but it's so relevant to any industry. It made yeah. me realize, like, you know, I need to, Make sure I'm taking better care of my clients with, with uniforms and just having a an elevated level of customer service. Yes. And I'm sure you you took some things away
2: from selling cars with how, oh. to, how to interact with people. So when I left, um, when I started my break from working in culinary um, and hospitality, I start off by becoming a shoe salesman. <laughs> 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 the Al Bundy of the world. <laughs> um, <but laughs> yes. Uh, so, sold shoes at Marshall Fields when they were still Marshall Fields. Oh, yeah. Um, and they had, at the time, as retailers, they had like a pretty extensive customer relation management system hmm. um, for shoe capture data and profiles for guests. Um, from there I moved to LA, um, sold luggage and San Francisco lived there for a bit, did personal shopping, uh, stylist in San Francisco. Um, that was all led up to 2001, 9-11 happened. Mm-hmm. And that's when I moved back. Um, from there, couldn't decide what to do. Start. i was back with fields for a little bit but it didn't uh just didn't really connect with me at that time anymore um and just woke up one morning i was like i want to sell cars (laughs) 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 let's sell cars uh my friend's like yeah you're gonna be this chevy salesperson i was like no i've uh i kind of want to do something that had a bit more of a culture to it so at the time Mini was the hottest ticket Yeah. yeah It and kind of I, exploded, yeah. That time, and it really taught me a lot of things when it comes to more. The core was understanding client relations, where the brand is really between you and your clients, um, and it's and at the same time being able to translate and be ambassador of a culture within a brand itself. So many, the clientele was very, um, they're amazing. Like they live, eat, breathe the brand and they would have functions where it's a collective group of mini owners would come out and um, their car people are very fascinating where they just congregate. And they gather with great passion for the brand. Um, And being able to understand that dynamic of how your guests, your client, and what at the core it means to connect with people uh, from a product and from an individual uh, was a really intense learning experience. Uh, And to be able to see that firsthand, I think is also very re- rewarding that you sometimes you don't get that in a school setting where it's very theoretical. Uh-huh. And here you see the um, the immediate results for what it, you know, how you can develop relationships with people and how those relationships matters. I mean, I had clients that flew in from California to purchase their vehicles. Um, mm. And that translated even when I shifted over to the BMW side where they would continue the relationships with me um, when I was selling BMWs. So. And even when I went over to Tesla, some of them came over. You know, we still kept in touch. Um, hmm. But when I le- was laid off from Tesla, that was sort of the the final break for me to say, all right, let's shift focus completely to Food and hospitality at that point. And that's when you started Hermosa? Uh, that or was when you. Uh, I went came to, back to the industry. Came back to the industry. Okay.
0: Yeah. So was the plan always to open your own spot? Yeah. Cool. Yeah.
2: I've <laughs> I've been talking about my own spot for, gosh, 20 years easily. <laughs> yeah. How many years in are you? Uh, now I'm like 30 years talking about my own spot. <laughs> <laughs>
0: um, so I remember. Coming to Hermosa early on, I remember hearing about it and being mm-hmm. very excited, it, but it seemed like such a calculated opening um, where you were kind of catering to, I feel like you didn't go full Cambodian at first, it was a sandwich shop, yeah. and then you kind of, did you, were you waiting for clients to trust you to start introducing more, Definitely. I think, dishes? Definitely. Um,
2: like, how, I guess, what? how did you, what was the menu like when you first opened? The menu was... Donuts. My sister and brother in law has a donut shop. Is that um, something sweet? Something sweet. Yeah, um, they're great. And I've been many a time. They're uh, they get me in trouble sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> but now there's just the one on Kansie. Yes. Okay. Um, Their store. Well, they have the production site originally. Uh, the original production site is still on Fullerton. Oh, okay. Which but is they attached. just don't have the
1: storefront for it. Correct.
2: Okay. Got. Um, they they're more focused on production there. And the storefront is in on Ketsey in Albany Park. Um, and lost my train of thought what we we're talking about. We're talking about the f- opening menu. Oh, opening menu. Yeah. Um, so yes. Donuts, shakes, hot dogs, hamburgers. Um, and even then I was uh, not just your just nor you know, you had your classic hot dogs shaw style. Um, and hamburgers as well, but I was making my own pizza puff, uh, with bolognese inside it. (laughs) I remember having one of those. (laughs) Yeah. That was like piping hot. Yeah. to wait 20 minutes to actually eat it. (laughs) (laughs) It's a weapon. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I should bring it back just for. Yeah. Pizza grenades. Pizza grenades. Yeah.
1: This podcast is brought to you by Geneva. Danny, what is Geneva? Well, Tim, I'm glad you asked. Geneva is a European spirit with a wide range of flavors and lots of personality. It always uses malt spirit and juniper and other botanicals, so some would place it somewhere between gin and whiskey. It can be floral and bright like gin or round and malty like whiskey. Whatever your preference, there's a Geneva out there for you. Even me? Even you, Tim. This campaign is financed with aid from the European Union.
2: What was the first Cambodian dish you brought on? The fried chicken sandwich? The fried chicken sandwich. Well, and even before then, you know, I kind of touched on other cultures' food um, where there were meals that I absolutely loved and um, just impactful memories that I would package it into sandwiches, you know, uh, where I started coining it, you know, can you sandwich it? So I'll take Korean barbecue and all the components in the Korean barbecue. Um, the sam sauces, the banchans, and um, the bogogies and just pack it all together inside a a bun. Cool. What's the current lunch menu looking like now? Uh, The current lunch menu now, there's the dine-in menu, and the to-go is on a slight hole right now until the team kind of gets... Gets their bearings. Yeah. And the dine-in... Lunch menu is more of a contemporary approach to Cambodian food. So we'll still have, um, for example, it starts off with a gran aioli, which is completely French-inspired. Um, but the aioli is uh, seasoned with the flavor profile is krung, which is our herb paste of lemongrass, galangal, turmeric, a bunch mm. of aromats that gets fried. Um, mm. And then you have two dipping sauces, that we celebrate vegetables to go with it. Mm. Um, the fried chicken is prepared as popcorn style. For, so little nuggets instead of the full-on sandwich. A little bit lighter fare. Mm. Um, my mom has been super invested with what's going on around town uh, in the restaurant that she has contributed a dish. Wow, yeah, so she's cool. making uh, quacko. It's a fermented beef sausage. Hmm. Yeah. Nice. It's a, is it similar to, like, an Isan sausage? Exactly. Okay, yeah, very cool. similar to Isan sausages. Uh, just all beef and pork, to Traditionally, like, a beef and pork combo. Okay. Um, and, yep, you know, all the same, similar profile. That goes to it. Nice. Um, did the siblings get jealous that you
1: have Hermosa and they're, <laughs> you know, they have, like, the the other rest? You know, like,
2: is there a rivalry there at all? No. No. They're, uh, they're actually really happy because... We've always had this menu in the back that we ate at home. Uh, even though we serve Chinese-American food at the restaurant, you know we've, we have our Cambodian dishes that we ate in secret um, that we didn't want to share. But a lot of it was... Can you get those dishes at their place or only at your place? Uh, only at my place. Sometimes they will have it as, you know, they'll serve it. Um, so I'm trying to push my sister. I was like, if you make this, make a large batch of it so that you can sell it um, and offer it to the guests. And she's like, oh, it's so much work. I was like, you're already making it already. So <laughs> yeah, just, yeah, well. yeah, just <laughs> make it bigger. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> <Economies of> scale. <laughs> yeah. Um, but no, they're really happy and excited that there's a presence of food that we uh, enjoy growing up without um, having to... You know be ashamed yeah of, of these flavor profiles and initially they're like oh god you're gonna serve these fermented funky stuff i was like yeah because yeah, people, like people it. want that yeah. People exactly want. yeah i mean that's what i want yeah yeah have funky you been to, to the cambodia the last trip i was there about it was like 98 99 whoa yeah it's been way too long i remember to take a research trip Absolutely.
1: Yeah, if you want to bring Tim and I with you, feel free. One hundred percent. Perfect. Well, I'm, I'm in. I can fit in the suitcase.
2: I, <laughs> I can fit in the larger version of the same suitcase. <laughs> I'll make sure it'll be more comfortable within the suitcase. <laughs> That'll <right>, right. <laughs> um,
0: be epic. So, Ethan, for a long time, you were a one-man show, and yes. I remember. Uh, the first time I dined with you, you were a one-man show, and I remember asking you if you were going to hire people, and (laughs) I I remember you saying you were kind of reluctant because I think you had gotten some press around being a one-man show, and you didn't want to, like, disappoint or make it seem like people weren't getting the full experience, but, I mean, at a certain point, you have to. Otherwise, (laughs) there's only so much you can do yourself. What was that decision like, and um, what did that enable you to do?
2: Um, It was, I think, there the point for me was recognizing the what I can finally relinquish control over and also the menu start to grow bigger um, and the focus was also very much just family meal for a long period that it took me away from... Um, what also started the business and the clients and the guests that were supporting the business. Mm-hmm. Um, we were, I was seeing them a lot less um, and, and and that because they didn't want to come in necessarily to support, but also it was more because it was only one party that I was, um, you know, that I invite that was I was taking care of for yeah. a day and it ultimately also made me uncomfortable at the same time because it really I never like to put all my eggs in one basket and the thing that I, the lesson that I learned going into the pandemic coming out of the pandemic was we oftentimes have one singular model when it comes to a restaurant being a dine in format and not and most restaurants aren't going to have, you know, um, their their to-go offerings or their more casual offerings. There's, there, it's very limited, mm-hmm. um, or non-existent sometimes. So, if I want to create a business that is sustainable, it needs to be agile. It needs to have multiple product. Offerings, multiple revenue streams coming in, so that I can shift accordingly when it's needed. Um, so when I, when it, when I recognized that all my time was being spent doing private dining, as like it inevitably made me uncomfortable, and some would say, oh, it made me more ambitious mm. <laughs> um, to see how I can grow this, and which ultimately required me to have someone to come on
0: board. Yeah. Are there yeah. certain things that you don't still don't feel comfortable delegating? Are there certain things that you only trust yourself to do in the kitchen or do you, have you kind of getting your, gotten your processes down to the
2: point where you can hand those off um, with training? The creative process for me is still very much, um, just me solely yeah. on that profile. Um, cause it's, there's Cambodian cuisine is so vast at the same time. There's so many other dishes that I still want to, um, to showcase, that at current, um, it's less of collaborative effort and they just,
1: you know, are there Cambodian places that you like to frequent or because you make all the stuff and your family can make all the stuff?
2: Um, interestingly enough, there's not another Cambodian restaurant in the city. Well, there's one that just recently opened, um, in, I think Rogers park or Hmm. around that part of town. But, um, yeah, there's no Cambodian food here in the city. Yeah, I guess so Argyle is mostly
0: Thai and Vietnamese. Correct. So how would you what's the difference in cuisine, I guess, or what,
2: what would be Um There's There's a lot of similar more similarity, I guess, with Thai food. Mm-hmm. Um but the balancing of the flavors are very different. Um Thai food tends to be a higher spike in uh for me um higher spike in like heat levels and acid um, versus ours tends to be a lot more nuanced in balance of <laughs> all the flavor profiles and components. Um, we do enjoy funkier profiles a lot mm-hmm. more. Yeah. That, that's kind food. of in my mind. Like more the fermented for me. stuff. Yeah. Yeah. A lot more fermented uh, stuff. Yeah. Like Northern Thai. I mean, is kind Correct. of more along the lines of that. And even fermented stuff to the point of, not just like shrimps, uh, fermented fish or fermented, uh, shrimps, but a lot of fermented picklings. We, Mm. uh, we have that, enjoy that quite a bit as well. So cool.
0: So Ethan, you don't live in Chicago or even Illinois. Is that a conscious decision? Do you like, I know you've, you've got a, a pretty lengthy commute both ways.
2: Yes. Is that, is that creative time for you? Um, it is my therapy session. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it is also my pre-shift to myself <laughs> and my post-shift to myself sometimes.
0: <laughs> Are you cooking at home or do you keep, do you try to keep food segmented from the rest of your life and keep it in Chicago or do oh, you I have cook like a home. test kitchen at home? Yeah. I cook at home sometimes um the other half there's jars of things fermenting everywhere and it looks oh, like
2: a scientist laboratory uh mm-hmm. unfortunately not no uh no my uh my other half he's very uh um yeah i first i remember the first time i brought a uh a jar of kimchi to a <laughs> <the> house i store it in the fridge he's like dude What's rotting and dying in there? I was like, "It's <laughs> good stuff, man. Just enjoy it."
0: <laughs> the factory we started uh, started out with, partnered with here in Garfield Park, is owned by our business partner Isle and his family, and they're uh, they're Korean. And we had the funkiest fridge in the factory, and in the back, like at lunchtime, we'd have like they'd be doing like congees or be all sorts of kim cheese very funky stuff and when that when that fridge door swung open everyone knew because it yeah. was it was potent <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and i'd always be like i was so curious i'm like hey well i'm like what are you eating he's like ah tyranny don't worry you wouldn't like it i'm like no nah, i want to try it And it was always really good his mom did all the cooking
2: nice yeah nice he's grown uh, to appreciate more of the food we uh a few weeks ago we went to the temple um yeah a couple months ago actually went to the temple with mom and dad and is that here yeah there are multiple temples here in chicago sorry yep here in chicago um in i think in uptown Mm -hmm. and the best part of going to the temple is the potluck at the end Mm. of uh Of service, so to speak. Is the quality always high across all the dishes? Oh, my God. Yeah, you see these, like, little, you know, you have the aunts and the grandmas that will say, that lady makes the best number of You know, this fish curry rice noodle dish that has a bunch of herbs to go with it. Or that lady has the best fermented uh, pickles. Or this one has the best dessert. So... And then someone will poke it and say, like, nope, I have the best X, Y, Z. And it's like, yep, bring it on. I just want to wow. taste all of it. Do you have to contribute as well? Is that um, part of the deal? We do. Um, it's more of an offering to the monks when we go to the temples. And they have one. Uh, and the monk kind of depend on us to also uh, feed them. And okay. it's interesting because <laughs> you go there. So they're the best-fed monks in the world. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> Yeah, and they're super humble about it. They're super quiet about it. But I can just imagine, like, in the back of my mind, like, yep, we're eating the good stuff today.
1: (laughs) (laughs) And so that's just left, like, so the main food goes to the monks, and then there's inevitably leftover food that everyone else kind of
2: eats? Oh, it's, so envision, like, a room with 100 people. And everyone brings a dish. Right. So... It's way more than, yeah. Yeah, and we all collect... As you're entering the temple, there's a lady or two and some other person um, that basically is dividing all the the food that's brought in that day into small little styrofoam plates and bowls. Um, so we communally, after we offer the food to the monk, we all just sit down and eat. Oh man, yeah. That sounds incredible. Can we come to <laughs> temple with you sometime? Absolutely. <laughs> we'll we'll help
0: prep the meals and everything. I want to I want to yeah that meal. Oh, that sounds awesome. They'll see through your uh, your altruism. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Shannon and I did a uh, when we were in Thailand. We did a at our hotel. There's like a if you'd like to uh, make an offering to the monks, you mm. could uh, meet us out front early in the morning. We're gonna take a, a van over there. Shannon and I were the only two people who elected to do it, and uh, we we had like. I don't remember exactly what we brought but they helped us do the shopping it was like rice and a few other things but we got to the temple and again we were the only people and it was like kind of on the top of this mountain it's beautiful and uh the monk was uh was there praying and then i mean obviously a language barrier um mm. so we didn't really know what was going on and then um they disappeared for like probably like half an hour and we like went to a driver like what, what's going on do we like do we leave do we stay like oh no the monk's just taking a shower he'll be right back and so we just kind of waited for this guy and then uh and then he came back and we did some prayers with him and and that was it yeah that, that's as close as i got i didn't get to eat you didn't get to the uh. feast part of that yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs>
1: that's reserved for the true Ew. the true devotees yeah i'll definitely ask uh mom when our next would we i mean i assume we would stand out like like sore thumbs
2: oh you would <laughs> yeah, Tim would blend right in bro. Well We're all chanting anyways So <laughs> I don't understand What the chants are But I just I just follow With the body motion <laughs> Wow How long Like what How long is the Is the day Like when you go to the Oh temple? super short We get there at 10.30 Yeah okay. um, And we chant for like An hour and a half The monks They have to eat Before 12 So And once the monk Once they're fed Everyone just kind of get together and communally sit and dine. That's cool.
0: Danny's trying to, he's doing the quick math on what a babysitter's going (laughs) to (laughs) cost. Yeah, take the kids to totally just wreck this. There are kids there as well. Oh, yeah. They all love that. I think we should bring Arthur. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) just bring Arthur. Ruby's too young, but Arthur. Yeah, Ruby would be be
1: behaving now. Yeah. Um, (laughs) Yeah. That's cool. I never knew anything
2: about that. Oh, it's it's a lot of fun. Where is okay. the temple? Uh, the one that we go to is on Lawrence and Winthrop. Okay. Yeah. Tim, well, don't yelp about it. <laughs> Tim leaves like a bad Yelp review of the food that he Yeah, yelp don't check you. it out. Definitely nothing to
0: see here. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Throw them off this thing. Tim's like,
1: the fermented pickles, I mean,
0: I don't know. They were okay, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> Aren't all pickles fermented? <laughs> yeah, there you go. Um, So are there any things that you, any um, practices or routines that you learned um, at previous jobs that you still use today in your restaurant? Things that have become um, Um, just
2: part of your process? Yeah, developing systems. Yeah. That's huge. Developing systems for every aspect of the operation, uh, whether it be the marketing side, the day-to-day side, and, you know, direct to Going doing purchasing and you know being able to plan things accordingly, um, always trying to be prepared as much as possible. But that's that's sort of the number one lesson that mom and dad have always taught us is to um, to always be as to plan prep for leaner times. So yeah, yeah, and then. As far
1: as, like, the learning experience, uh, what were some harsh lessons that you learned when you opened Hermosa? Um,
0: or, you know, related to advice you would give to someone?
2: Yeah, don't try doing it all by yourself.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Do you wish you had started with a team from the from the beginning?
2: Um, I did, but...
1: But there's, like, a financial consideration. If yeah, like you it's... M- you might have to just bootstrap it because that's sure. what you can do.
2: Absolutely, and I think... The, um, the number one lesson is, well, there's quite a few, um, but definitely like as a business owner, you have to roll up your sleeves and do the job as well and be able and capable of doing the job, um, and being able to clearly delegate what needs to get done, um, unemotionally as well. Yeah. I think that's the huge thing when it comes to this industry. It's very intense, including the emotion side to it, and be able to just understand that hey, stuff gotta get done. Just gotta done. Yeah. Have you had
0: um, any issues? Are there ingredients? I mean, when I when I do a, a Southeast Asian dish, I'm, mm-hmm. I always have to go up to Argyle, H Mart, in the West Loop is now a, a big thing for me. Are there certain things that you don't have access to here, or you have, you have trouble finding.
2: Um, yeah, there are certain produces that memories of having of uh, visiting Cambodia that we once we generally don't get here. Um, like the Kampot peppers that you'll get from the Kampot region of Cambodia, um, they'll have it here in a, either pickle or dry or dried format, but getting it fresh yeah. is near to impossible to acquire, um, as well as like. One of my favorite dishes visiting Cambodia was a super simple stir-fried pork with um, lotus stems. And they sell it here as a different lotus stem, but the ones that we enjoy is uh, it's a heartier type of lotus stems. And it's just super, it, it kind of has this, um, the texture would be similar to, I don't know, like an artichoke heart or, um, like a rhubarb that, but a lot firmer. Like it has this fun crunch to it, even hmm. when it's cooked. Celery. Yeah. But celery, like a quick flash stalk, uh, celery stalk. Yeah. Okay. And just kind of maintain that crunch, even though you cooked it to death and it's still so <laughs> oh, wow. wow. Yeah. That's quite hearty. Yeah, it's so good. Hmm.
0: So, how often are you changing family meal?
2: It's there. Or is it
0: evolving? I guess are you adding and pulling things away?
2: Yeah, there are a few core items. Um, The fried chicken is a core item. I've tried to replace one of the salads, but it went to an uproar for a moment. Mm -hmm. So the um, the crispy fish salad that's a staple. Um, But otherwise, it's constantly evolving at the moment. Th- are the fish dips still around? Fish dip still around. That's, that um, that is expanding. Thank you. Um, that's expanded into the granule right now for the summer season. And, yeah, there's a few dishes that have just recently went on. I currently have a crab cake on the menu with a uh, grilled corn agrodolce. So uh, grilling the corn off the cob, and there's... Peppers that gets grilled as well, uh, which turns into a sweet and sour, super spicy puree hmm. um, to complement the sweetness of the corn and the crab cakes. Sounds, Sounds delicious.
0: Yeah. So what's next for Hermosa? Where do you have... Are you, I assume you seem so calculated and patient. I assume <laughs> you've got a vision. But yes. But how different does it look from the current form?
2: Um, there... There's a couple of things that have started brainstorming. Mm -hmm. Um, We'll see. I'm excited to to see how we can kind of expand uh, the offerings of Cambodian flavors and profiles uh, and Cambodian dishes to a greater market and yet make it accessible. So... Um, yeah, we'll see.
0: This episode of Joiners is brought to you by Stock Manufacturing, makers of fine hospitality workwear. You obsess over the details in your space, so why stop at your staff's uniforms? Stock has something for every aesthetic, from fine dining to a corner cafe, they've got you covered. Choose from in-stock ready-to-wear options or design the perfect custom uniform for your team. For more information, visit stockmfgco.com. Well, should we hit them with the gratuity round? I think we should. All right. These are going to be easy questions. Nothing to worry about. All right. We'll see. (laughs) All right. What's your death row meal? Ooh. Uh, Pasta and red sauce pasta and red sauce homemade or are you going somewhere for that homemade
2: homemade what's your red sauce recipe oh uh just super simple like tomatoes basil onion garlic cool And what's your noodle shape fusilli okay yeah very good you didn't even have to think about it yeah (laughs) all right boom what's your favorite thing to cook at Uh, the moment i guess Favorite thing to cook, soups. Soup. Yeah, soups all day long. Cool. What What makes a good soup? Time. Yeah. You gotta take time with it.
0: I find and, that most soups I make are better the day after.
2: Yeah. And it's you can't rush the uh, the broth stock making process. You cannot rush that. Mm-hmm. You just need. To, it's like it's like making a sun tea just with. Meats and Bones. And you just <laughs> got to let it chill. You know? Yeah. Meat, bones, sun tea. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Great. Uh, what's your favorite
2: restaurant you've been to recently? Oh. um I don't have a creature of comfort. So, I generally patron all the same spots. Um, I think my all-time always go to, going back, like, would be Siam Noodle and Rice. Yeah, it's uh on Broadway, and we've been going there as a kid, and it's the same uh, aunties and grandmas that's still there. Um, the food, the menu has expanded quite a bit since they uh, moved to their new location, but it's still super solid. Hmm. Yeah. Nice. What What's your order there? Uh, their papakau, uh, the uh, basil. Well, they're one of a few spots they actually do with pork, so uh, the ground basil pork over rice. Mm. Yeah, that sounds great. All right, favorite old school. I guess that is an old school restaurant,
0: so skip that. What's your favorite fast food? Culvers. Thank you.
2: (laughs) I've (laughs) been waiting for that. I've been preaching. I
0: love Culvers, and what's your order
2: there? Um, the spicy chicken sandwich basket with cheese sauce. Okay, Price. see, I'm
0: going Butter Burger, but I'll oh. t- I'll just take Culver's as as yeah, a solid answer. Yeah, that's a win answer. for Tim.
2: Yeah, yeah.
0: I'll put it up against any other fast food burger. Oh, all day long, yeah.
2: hands down. It's e- just, even In and Out, right? Uh, no, no way. Oh, <laughs> I I need to revisit In and Out. No, you don't. You've got <laughs>
0: <laughs> you've got plenty. You've of got it, Culver's. Yeah. Uh, okay, what's your go to cocktail order? Um, Boulevardier. That's a great one.
1: That is yeah. solid. Are you a bourbon or rye Boulevardier person?
2: Uh Hmm. Depends on my mood, I guess. Depends on what if they want I don't have a preference.
0: Okay. Yeah. And you want it up or rocks? How are you taking it? Uh, up. Yeah. Cool. All right. Last question. What is something that bars
2: or restaurants do that annoy you? Oh, uh, when the front of house staff feels like they're on a podium platform as they're approaching the table, mm. yeah, I think that feeds into menu tours.
0: Yeah, yeah. That, that was uh, Zoe Shore went off on uh on menu
2: tours. She's like, we we don't need it. We know what yeah. we're doing. And yeah, when you see them, it's like a competitive motion, a uh, uh, completely repetitive motion. I had dine at a, uh, a spot here in Chicago and no longer around. But it was a Sunday and they were only doing tasting menu. Um, the I was the last person sat and at that point, there was like four tables ahead of me and the person literally went to one table after another. How's your dish? How's your dish? How's your oh. dish? How's your dish? And this is like, after the first course, I was like, "Oh my god, I'm going to be listening to this same thing for the next twelve courses." You're going to have the script memorized. Is yeah, that, is that your ringtone? Yeah. How's your dish? How's, How's your, your dish? dish? How's, How's your, your dish? dish? No, that's my alarm to wake up in the next morning. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I got to shut this from off from a nightmare. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Absolutely. <laughs> well,
0: Ethan, it's been a real pleasure having well, you on the you. pod. Thank you so much for coming by. Yeah, thank that's you. It's of fun. And we look forward you. to seeing you at both family meal and temple. Yeah, and
2: absolutely. Yeah. And And our trip to Cambodia. I need to come back to Scafla quite a bit too. I'm so excited that you guys are doing your late night menus again. Yeah, thank you. Uh, That was like my go-to spot. Yeah. Yeah. We're back. Yeah, I still haven't been to Scafla, but I want to check it out.
0: this concludes our conversation with ethan Lim from hermosa restaurant and don't forget to like and subscribe so you don't miss out on future episodes and be sure to check out the joiners pod instagram the handle is at joiners pod and you can go there for throwback photos of our guests and exclusive cocktail recipes thanks again and we will check you next week see you next week